Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This weekend with your host, Gordon Deal. Is there a doctor in the house? I'm Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Here's what's coming up this hour. There are growing warnings about a burned out healthcare workforce like staffing shortages and aging doctors. We'll examine the issue. Is your body ready mentally and physically as we turn back the clocks this weekend? A health psychologist offers coping tips. On the travel front, what happens when you book a window seat for your flight, but there's no window? Hear how to avoid it. And is there such thing as the Taylor Swift stock market effect? When you talk to enough people, you find some real evidence that suggests it's not entirely a coincidence. I mean, first of all, there's just the sheer spending that occurred around her tour. Charles Passy at MarketWatch looks at the vigorous consumer spending epitomized by the ERA's tour. Well, staffing shortages, more dangerous workplaces, aging physicians, and the increasing politicization of medicine. Caitlin Owens at Axios says the warning signs for America's burned-out healthcare workforce are all there. Caitlin, explain. So there's just been a few different new data points, um, and then just a pretty frank warning from the head of the AMA, that's the American Medical Association, over the past few um, days about just uh, essentially staff shortages um and there's been signs about how healthcare worker burnout is getting worse um there's more political polarization in the system and so there's you know you know experts have long projected that the country is heading for a healthcare worker shortage but it's always kind of been in the future but what ama head is saying is that it's here and it's just going to get worse goodness all right so staffing issues how like techs doctors nurses all of it all of it, yeah, and I think you're seeing this play out, right? So some of this, I mean, staffing shortages, and then you're seeing um, basically unhappy healthcare workers, right? Like you're, we're seeing some of these strikes around the country among healthcare workers. Uh, you know, I've heard, I'm sure we've all heard one story after another about um, doctors, nurses, um, other providers just facing, you know, huge burnout following the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and there's signs that some of them are leaving the workforce, and there's even more signs that many of them are thinking about leaving the workforce. And we're just not replenishing those ranks at a fast enough pace, I guess. Yeah, you know, and I mentioned this in my story, and it's a pretty eye-opening stat. Almost half of practicing U.S. physicians are older than 55 right now. Um, so, you know, that's 10 years away from the retirement age, and what are we going to do once the they do retire. Um, yes, to, to your point, there's just not enough people coming into the profession to take their place. Boy, so are, are patients, uh, is there evidence patients are suffering here in some way? You know, there there is evidence that patients are starting to notice that the system doesn't have the capacity to take them right now. Um, there was one survey from a group that, that surveyed hospitals, health systems, and medical groups. Um, it said two-thirds of respondents among those groups said that staffing shortages have forced them to run at less than full capacity at some point over the past year. Um, and almost two thirds of them said that they're struggling to meet patients' demand for care at doctors' practices, um, which, well, yeah, would suggest that patients are having somewhat of a harder time getting the appointments they're looking for. Boy, we're speaking with Caitlin Owens, senior policy reporter at Axios. Her story is called Warning Signs for the U.S. Health System Are Piling Up. It seems like a vicious cycle the way you painted the picture. Uh, the stress of COVID led many to retire or quit, and that left 
the work falling on fewer bodies, and then those fewer bodies started to say enough is enough, and the work fell to even fewer people. It's what I'm guessing. Yeah, and you know, I think that a couple of things have changed post COVID, right? Like patient behavior has changed. Where um, the CDC said this week that more healthcare workers are are reporting harassment on the job. Um, you know, there's been a lot more uh, medical politics as we've seen over the past few years, especially surrounding j- abortion and gender affirming care, um, which a lot of healthcare workers have opinions about. Um, and then, and then to just think about the demographics of it, as we talked about earlier, the workforce is aging. Um, but the flip side of that is the entire, I mean, the entire country is aging, right? So as those people get older, not only the physicians that are retiring, but everyone else is going to need more healthcare. Um, so, you know, if we if we think things are spiraling now, it, it does have this potential to get worse. Right. Are there any solutions in the mix? Um, you know, yes, there's, and some of them are small, some of them are big, and some of them you have to look at who's saying what, right? But so the AMA is saying, um, they gave a few. One was to, as they say, fix Medicare payment to make it more generous. They're saying it's not paying enough. Um, a few other ideas they threw out there was just making it um, safer in terms of, you know, no workplace consequences for healthcare workers to, to receive mental health care. Um, another idea that's out there is allowing more foreign doctors to come in, into the country and practice medicine here, which would obviously require some kind of immigration reform, um, which is much easier said than done, as, as we all probably know. Um, so there's a few things out there, but yeah, it would require, you know, some political cooperation on a pretty big scale that, you know, just isn't, isn't the norm these days. Thanks, Caitlin. Caitlin Owens at Axios. Coming up next, when cell phones are banned all school day long. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle-Made bed sheets. Miracle-Made uses silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle-Made is self-cleaning, self-cooling, luxurious, eco-friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. In May, Florida passed a law requiring public school districts to impose rules barring student cell phone use during class time. But this fall, Orange County public schools went even further. Here's Natasha Singer, reporter at the New York Times. Natasha, what happened? Well, what was super interesting is that Florida passed a law this summer requiring public schools in the state to ban students from using their phone during class time. But Orlando Public Schools this fall went even further and banned students from using their phones all day, not just during class time, but in lunch, in free periods, like even the five minutes when you're passing between one class and another, the students are not allowed to get out their phones. And so that's why we chose to go there, because they went even further than the new state law required. Wow. And so what'd you find? It was really interesting. Um, The administrators 
were talking about how before the ban went into effect, students were using their phones all the time. Like the principal would try to greet students in the hall in the mornings and kids wouldn't look up from their devices. That teachers were saying that in a class, you know, if you had 20, 25 students, there would be at least several and sometimes more that just were constantly on their phones, scrolling through TikTok, sending text messages to their friends. The principal also said that students used messaging and social media apps to surreptitiously film their classmates mm. and post mean cyberbullying things. Oh, wow. And they said because of the phone ban, you know, these things have halted. I went to lunch and it's really interesting to see teens all sitting together in groups and nobody had a phone out. They were all like looking at each other eye to eye, face to face and talking. And the school had set up pickleball courts at lunch. So some kids now play pickleball and then there's other activities going on and students at lunch cannot take out their phones now and photograph their friends. So the photography teacher was on hand, it was homecoming, and students were posing for the photography teacher who was then gonna put the images online so that students could see them and then they could post them to their social media accounts later in the day, but they can't get out their phones and take the photos themselves. Wow, what's, what's parent reaction been to this? So parents, you know, Florida has passed a series of public school laws that um, have been contentious, like um, restricting the teaching of gender identity and other things. And this law, it just not doesn't bar cell phones during class time. It also requires schools to block social media on school Wi-Fi and devices. And it requires schools to teach students how social media can manipulate them uh, or users in general. So parents, I spoke to both on the left and the right and in the middle, everybody thought banning phones during class time was a great thing. They want their kids to concentrate on their studies and to talk to each other and to collaborate and to learn. But both students and parents objected to the all day ban. From the parents' point of view, we're at a moment in society, unfortunately, where there have been mass school shootings and other violence going on in schools. And parents want their kids, if there's an emergency, you know, if they're hiding under a desk, to be yeah. able to text them. Yeah. And students said they would feel more secure if they had their phones on them. Mm. Students also said that, you know, it's their property. And if they're doing well in school, they should be able to use their phone in their free time. They also said it actually affected the school day because like kids are used to taking out their phone to take a photo of their artwork in progress or to take a photo of their software engineering 3D printing thing or to check their schedules as they're running around the hallway. And of course, in many districts, students have laptops in class, but if you need your phone for something else, it's inconvenient and it changes the social dynamics. So I interviewed an eighth grader and she was talking about, right, she's in middle school, it's all new. She's trying to make friends. The friends can't put each other's phone numbers into their cell phones, so they have to write it down on little pieces of paper. Well, you've just made a new friend and then you go home and you lost the piece of paper. And so then you have to ask them again the next day and that keeps happening. And you know, that sounds silly. They're complaining about writing little things down on pieces yeah. of paper, but um, you can see how it would affect your interactions with fellow students. I guess uh, that was kind of like, you just captured my life like in the 1980s. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Natasha. Natasha Singer, reporter at the New York Times.
Hey, glad you're with us. This was a year defined by fulfillment as Taylor Swift created a wave of hysteria that could be likened to the early days of Beatlemania. And with that came a wave of tour-related spending from countless Swifties, some $5 billion in total. What it's meant from this weekend's Jennifer Koshenka. She's had an impact on teen girls, NFL audiences, and the movie going public. Now, superstar Taylor Swift is being credited with helping the U.S. avert a widely predicted summer recession. We get the story from Charles Passy of Market Watch. Charles, why is T-Swift's impact on the economy not totally an exaggeration? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of remarkable, but when you actually look at what happened to the stock market this year, um, I mean, the S&P 500 hit its lowest point at March 13th, and Taylor Swift launches her tour on March 17th, and the market just keeps rising. So, you know, it's kind of like this, is it a coincidence or is it not? And, you know, when you talk to enough people, you find some real evidence that suggests it's not entirely a coincidence. I mean, first of all, there's just the sheer spending that occurred around her tour. Now, it's it's a fraction of U.S. GDP, but I mean, $5 billion at least was spent around her U.S. tour dates. That's not just for tickets. That's for people traveling. I mean, people went all over the country to see her shows. That's for people, you know, staying in hotels. That's for people having, you know, going out for meals while they're in town to see her shows. That's for people buying, you know, Taylor Swift-inspired clothes. So, you know, that's a, a really serious chunk of money. Um, and then there were some specific companies that benefited from that shoe carnival. I mean, a shoe retailer said they got a Taylor Swift bump. It's a public company because, hey, you know, people wanted to wear boots like uh, Taylor Swift wears boots. So suddenly you had, you know, all these people buying shoes just to go to a Taylor Swift show. But I think the, the broader question is that there's kind of the direct effect. And then there's kind of the fact that Taylor Swift, in a way, served as, as I call it, a proxy consumer mindset. I mean, she kind of became a symbol and maybe helped inspire people to say, hey, maybe things are not so bad. Maybe we can spend money. And people spent money this year. You know, we were so worried about uh, going into a recession. You know, people spent money on going on travel, not tailor-related travel, but all sorts of travel. People spent money on designer handbags. I mean, we called it revenge spending. And I think in some ways what, what, what Taylor Swift did was kind of she was both a proxy for it and she maybe inspired people to loosen their wallets. We're speaking with Charles Passy of Market Watch. Charles, your story has a, a great anecdote from a craft store owner in Seattle. Talk about that. I love this tale. So this woman runs a store that specializes in beads, you know, beads for making your own jewelry. Uh, she's done this in Seattle for years and years. It's a, you know, I would call it a modestly successful business. It's called Bead World, appropriately. Um, all of a sudden, Taylor Swift comes to town. Her entire business is upended. Why? Because uh, Taylor Swift fans love to wear what are called friendship bracelets. And those are kind of bracelets. I mean, you can buy them finished, but a lot of people like to make them. They're, they're bracelets that have little sayings like, I'm a Taylor Swift fan, or whatever whatever you want to put on them. And, um, and so she saw a 50% spike in business um, around the time of Taylor Swift coming on tour to Seattle. But, you know, here's even the funnier part about it. It continued after the tour. People discovered her, st- her store, and she said, and the Taylor Swift fans got hooked on making their bracelets. So she said, you know, back to school time was a y- another huge hit for her. 
So, yeah, it, and it's a very good illustration of how things kind of bubble up and spread through the economy in very unusual ways. And, of course, there are the naysayers. You, know, you talked to some people who said, you know, people would have spent on something else, a Disney vacation, if they didn't go to a Taylor Swift concert. So she didn't really do that much. Yeah, I mean, look, there, 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 there are a couple of arguments that could be made. First of all, somebody, somebody said, you know, no. The, it, it, somebody told me if, if, if you could predict the stock market based on the success of pop stars, things would be much easier for, for economists or whatever, or market forecasters. I mean, look, you know, was this spending, was it going to happen anyhow? That's certainly a possibility. There's also uh, a case to be made that all this spending we saw, you know, roughly through the summer, keep in mind this was, you know, the summer of also Barbie and Beyonce. Um, so all this spending we saw kind of in the summer and in the spring, it's going to maybe potentially hurt the fourth quarter, you know, as I, as I kind of described it. Did everyone's Taylor Swift purchases mean that their friends are all going to get lumps of coal in their Christmas stockings? I mean, there is a question of how that's going to play out in the economy. And I, you know, I talked to actually, I talked to one Taylor Swift uh, fan, someone who spent three thousand dollars on going to see a show out of town, and she said she's she's uh, tightening her her wallet uh, uh, this time of year. She she spent all the money she had to spend, and now she's got to tighten up. So. So there's definitely some, 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 you know, we could see things go the other way. Are there other ways of looking at what happened here? That's this weekend's Jennifer Koshenka with Market Watch reporter Charles Passy. Coming up next, scams targeting teens with no money. Hey there, Gordon Deal here, and everyone knows the best part of fall is the food. I found a new way to embrace the season. Hello Fresh Markets, limited time fall flavors. Let me tell you about their apple cider cake with caramel sauce. Man, so good. Are you looking for the perfect game night treat? Write this one down, barbecue pulled pork nachos. Speaking of which, I recently had the kids home from school, and HelloFresh not only saved me time, but made me look like a pro chef. Using farm-fresh ingredients... You're going to get the flavors of fall in every bite. And trust me, you don't want to miss out on the mini pumpkin cheesecake. It's perfect for a me-time treat. Want to give it a shot? Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus free shipping. That's right, 50% off plus free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50Gordon. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50 Gordon. Hey, thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka coming up this half hour. Scams targeting teenagers. Also, is your body clock ready to fall back? And don't be fooled by windowless window seats. We'll have some travel tips in about 15 minutes. Well, younger generations are assumed to be more tech-savvy than their elders, but that doesn't mean they're ready for the real-world dangers lurking online. Heather Kelly, tech reporter at The Washington Post, says scammers are targeting teenagers with everything from low-level phishing attempts to devastating blackmail scams. Heather, what's going on? So kids, I mean, they're not going to have money, <laughs> to be honest, but they do have a lot of context, and they, there are contacts, and they have parents, and they have friends, and so just getting access to their accounts can be pretty lucrative. Uh, also, and no offense to your team listeners, sometimes they can be a little more gullible because they haven't you know, been exposed to the horrors of life as much yet. And so they do just make an appealing uh, target sometimes for things like blackmail. Mm. Okay, so how might something like this work if a team were being targeted? 
So one big scam that some colleagues and I read about is basically a sextortion scam. So they might be on Instagram and somebody DMs them and it looks like a, a single, attractive, age-appropriate person and they start talking um, and that person asks them to send nudes or compromising photographs and then it turns out to be a scammer who uses it to blackmail them. Oh and the reason this particular scam is, is so bad is that these kids are too embarrassed to go to adults in their life to ask about it. And so... Um, just letting them know ahead of time that this exists could save everybody so much pain. Right. Uh, so as part of that, you, you, one of your breakouts in your piece is talk to them again and again. But if, we, like, if we're not as tech savvy, though, you know, what's that conversation supposed to sound like? I, I think it's just the ca- like casually mentioning the scams you've heard about as okay. well. I think as adults, we talk about these a lot. They target our own parents. Teach the kid how to read the news. Um, <laughs> It's just me trying to sell subscriptions. No, teach them how to find the news and see what the latest things are because it's constantly changing. And what was the point you made about uh, the real stranger danger? Yeah, so actual stranger abductions in the United States are incredibly low. I believe they're less than 20 a year, uh, and that's what we grew up with. Like, be afraid of strangers on the streets. The actual strangers that we need to teach our kids about these days are online. And the number one thing you can teach them there is that nobody is – is going to be who they say they are unless you can confirm it. Just assume everybody is not necessarily like a 14-year-old boy from Ohio that you're playing video games with. Just assume everybody's a sketchy adult and proceed accordingly until you can confirm. Um, And I think just teaching kids the same skills we used to teach them about dealing with people in public, porting a lot of that to their Internet activities would be great. Mm. We're speaking with Heather Kelly, tech reporter at The Washington Post. Her story is called Scams Are Targeting Teenagers. Here's how to keep your kids safe. What was the point about freezing their credit? Oh, I love this tip. Um, You can freeze your kid's credit. I didn't know this was an option until about a year ago when I went through this. Uh, Children aren't hopefully taking out too many credit cards. They don't really need their credit yet unless, you know, they're maybe 17. You're going to start trying to build it with them. And they are prime targets for identity theft because they have a clean slate. So what you can do is you can go to the three big credit bureaus. Um, As a parent, you are allowed to freeze the credit on your child's behalf. Uh, let them know you're doing this, especially if they're older and, you know, it might come up soon and they might need to undo it. Uh, but this can really help with identity theft. How about uh, tools to solve it on their own, as you mentioned? Because, uh, you know, as you said before, they may be uncomfortable actually talking to you about it if they've been scammed. Exactly. Uncomfortable or I don't know if you've met teens, maybe they just don't like talking to the adults <laughs> in their life. So especially as they get older, I think, you know, Reddit age, obviously that's not something you give access to younger kids, but uh, once they're old enough to, to be online, show them the, the, the subreddits on scams, show them how to read Google news and Apple news. Uh, and my favorite thing is that anybody, you don't have to be old, can call this AARP fraud hotline, which is I think 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern on weekdays. And it's just this free hotline staffed by people who can tell you, hey, that is a scam or isn't a scam or here's what you should do next. Uh, and it's anonymous. And so for, for any teen who's going through something they don't want to talk to somebody they know about, it's a great resource. Thanks, Heather. Heather Kelly, tech reporter at The Washington Post. Coming up next, prepping your body as we turn the clocks back. Aging is a journey that can gather some unwanted passengers, namely those senescent or zombie cells. Hi, it's Gordon Deal, and I used to feel that sluggish middle-aged mood, those aches after workouts. I could practically feel those old cells just taking up space, bogging me down. Then I found Qualia Senolytic. Think of it as giving your body a little spring cleaning, pruning away the worn-out cells, and letting the lively ones shine. And you only take it two days a month. 
crafted with vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO ingredients. Plus, with a 100-day money-back guarantee, you've got a risk-free journey to rejuvenation. Resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Gordon for up to $100 off and use code Gordon at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash Gordon for an extra 15% off. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's show. Neurohacker.com slash Gordon. Hey, thanks for being with us. We turn back the clocks this weekend. Is your body clock ready? The Cleveland Clinic says the shorter, colder, grayer days contribute to as many as one in five Americans experiencing winter blues every year. Here's what to know and how to fight the effects of less sunlight from health psychologist Catherine Athens, author of The Heart Brain. Catherine, what happens when we lose sunlight? Oh, people become depressed, downhearted, uh, immobile. A lot of things happen. People become grouchy. Sunlight is so important to our health, and having more sunlight is important. So uh, I tell people, get out uh, when there is sun. Don't wear a hat, you know, because let the sun hit your head. If you can get out for 20 minutes when there's sunshine, and you can walk. You don't have to walk fast. Just walk, move your body, get the circulation going. There are a few things that you can do in the morning is to start your day not with coffee but with water because what happens in this time of year is we stop drinking water and we become dehydrated and the brain needs water, amino acids, some trace minerals, and glucose to run. And our brains become dehydrated and that doesn't lend itself to making good decisions are feeling good. Uh, it's also a time, this is a time of giving, and giving is good, whatever you can do, because giving stimulates the production of serotonin in the brain, mm. and that's the feel-good chemical that says, hey, I'm okay. Oh. And, you know, now we know why it says it's better to give than receive, yeah. because you're getting a good shot of some good chemicals in your brain can the things you feel when there's more darkness as we turn the clocks back be sometimes a self-fulfilling prophecy can you get too worked up about it no i think the things we feel are not correct because our brains and our neural networks are not working at their top uh ability so we we uh will get uh, dark feelings, and then nobody says, hey, you know, sit down, uh, get out in the sun, drink some water, uh, have an affirmation, do something good for somebody else. Um, for people who really have the sad uh, seasonal affective disorder, there, is, there are machines you can buy online that are light machines and will generate full-spectrum light at you. So you could plug it in while you're watching TV and have that full-spectrum light. Wow. And it works. Hmm. We're, speaking with, an, yeah. We're speaking with Dr. Catherine Athens, health psychologist, also author of a book called The Heart Brain, and we're talking about getting your body ready for turning the clocks back. Um, so you mentioned about uh, your living space. Is that, where, is that the point you're going to make about this light? 
Yes, yes. It's important if uh, you can also get full-spectrum light bulbs because we don't get the full spectrum at this time of year. And we don't, because of the darkness, the amount of darkness, we don't get it for long enough. So you can get it online, or if you have an electric store, you can call them and say, I want to order, pardon me, full-spectrum light bulbs, and replace your normal lights with full-spectrum at work, you can ask your boss to get full-spectrum fluorescent lights. Hmm. They have those now, and that's going to help. It's going to help. And, and understand that when we go through a climate change, the body goes through changes as well. The body wants to secure a little more fat, and the body doesn't particularly want to exercise as hard as it did maybe in the summer. So I recommend people go to the gym, get on the bicycle, get on the recumbent bike that supports your back, or get a bicycle that you can put in your house and you can sit on it and watch TV Mm. and do 20 minutes, half an hour of a bike every day. Thanks, Catherine. Dr. Catherine Athens. Again, the book is called The Heart Brain. Coming up next, avoiding windowless window seats. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. You may not have noticed, but just because you book a window seat on a plane doesn't mean there's actually a window in your row. There can be a huge difference between seat 21A and 22A on your next flight. And if you're not an aviation geek, you might not know how to tell until it's too late. Here's Zach Wichter, travel columnist at USA Today. Zach, I wasn't aware of this. I think... Many people will have this familiar kind of situation where you've booked a flight, you've selected your seat, you actually get on the plane, you get to your seat, and then you realize when you sit down, you're in the window seat and there isn't a window there. Either it's misaligned or you happen to be in a row of an airplane that has some kind of like structural beam for the fuselage and there's no window. And that's really frustrating. Um, Obviously, as a travel reporter and an airline geek, I fly a lot. And so this column was really dedicated to helping people travel more like a pro. And one of the things that I do is I check the seat map on the airline's website and compare that to a third-party resource. The one that I recommend in the column is called Aerolopa. That's A-E-R-O, 
Lopa, L-O-P-A dot com. Lopa stands for Layout of Passenger Accommodations. Oh, wow. And what that website does is it shows you a diagram of the plane that's actually true to how it's engineered. So you can see exactly where the seats are in relation to the windows, uh, and you can find the seat that is best for you. You know, maybe you want one that's close to the bathroom. Maybe you actually want that row that doesn't have a window if you're taking a night flight so you can rest your head on the wall more easily. Um, it's a good idea to kind of know what kind of plane you're flying on and then see what it's actually going to look like when you get there so you know exactly what you're getting when you pick your seat. Wow. I never considered it that much. I think uh, when I book, I either you know choose window or aisle and just assume there's going to be a window seat, but I guess that's not the case all, all the time. Right, exactly. Not all window seats are created equal. And I mean, same thing with any seat. You might find that you have chosen an aisle seat Maybe you wind up kind of near the back of the plane at a point where the plane fuselage starts to narrow and your legroom might be restricted if the seats are sort of sort of starting to curve in at that point of the plane to accommodate the actual physical structure of mm. the aircraft. We're speaking with Zach Wichter. He writes the cruising altitude column at USA Today, and we're talking about windowless window seats on airplanes. Um, so you referenced before the, these these good tools like uh, Aerolopa, um, but how do you know, I guess, right out of the gate, the type of plane you're going to be on? Yeah, that's a great question. And most airlines and also third-party booking platforms like Google Flights will actually show you. If you click in to see the details of your flight, it will show you what aircraft is scheduled to operate that flight. Uh, similarly, if you click on the seat map when you go to select your seats on the airline's website, it typically says kind of near the top, what kind of plane the diagram is meant to represent. Now, obviously, this isn't a surefire thing 100% of the time. Airlines do swap their equipment at say. the last minute okay. occasionally. Um, but I always try to be as prepared as possible. And so making my seat selection and kind of comparing what I am booking with what the layout of the airplane is, uh, you know, gives me kind of a sense of security when I travel. Thanks, Zach. Zach Wichter travel columnist at USA Today. Well, we'll finish with this. Say New Jersey, and many think of native sons Bruce Springsteen, Frank Sinatra, Atlantic City, the boardwalk, and the famous Jersey Shore. But the Wall Street Journal says if you blurt out central Jersey, people may think you've made it up. How can a state so small have a north, central, and south section? Governor Phil Murphy in late August signed a bill that would highlight the state's oft-overlooked middle section as its own distinct tourism region. The event was held at a Revolutionary War site in Somerville. Of course, there is a hitch. Some parts of Jersey want no part of this region. Sam Hammer, longtime owner of the Crab's Claw Inn in Lavalette in Ocean County, which could be part of a future Central Jersey map, says we're part of Central Jersey, but it's Jersey Shore, do or die. Patty Barber of Silver Ball Retro Arcade in Monmouth County says they'll have to pull Jersey Shore from my hands. From Gordon Deal and Jennifer Koshenka in Central Jersey, thanks for listening to This Weekend 